Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. I'm a sports fan, and in 1986, there's one of the considered the most epic moments of losing focus that had huge ramifications. It was the Boston Red Sox were playing the New York Mets in the World Series. The Boston Red Sox, who had not won a championship for decades, so much so that they were talked about the Bambino curse of when they traded Babe Ruth. Here they were, one strike away in game six of winning the World Series. And Mookie Wilson for the New York Mets hits a little routine grounder down the first baseline. And Bill Buckner, who was a gold glove winner took his eyes off the ball for half a second. And the ball went by him in the right field. The New York Mets ended up winning game six. They go to game seven, and the New York Mets win the World Series, and the Boston Red Sox lose it one strike away. Because, guys, what we focus on matters. It matters. I know this personally. If you've been around me at all, you know that um, I'm not a very good driver. My daughter, Mia, who's back from college, uh, can attest to that. Tato, who's in Peru, he says, Dave, you build my faith when I drive with you. He says, I said, I know, I'm a bad, he says, it's just when you spend 30 to 40 seconds on your phone texting that makes me a little uneasy. But I was taking the kids to school one day, and we were driving down the road. All the kids, four of my kids, were in the Yukon that we had at that time, and we were coming up to an area that we, where I turned right, and I looked over at the church on the left, and there was, there was a group of people gathering over there. I think it was for voting or something, and I looked over for a second, and I thought, geez, I wonder what's going on there, and the next thing I knew, Bam. I hit the car in front of me, who had stopped. So focus, focus matters. I took my eyes off the road, off the car. So in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to a church, the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth was a church that Paul had actually birthed. In Acts 18, you see Paul going and, and, and seeing this congregation started in this city called Corinth. And Corinth is very similar to Austin. Corinth was this cosmopolitan, metropolitan city. It was dynamic. There was anything you could think about was in Corinth. And here, Paul had planted this Christ-centered, Christ-honoring church and. He hears in verse 11 of chapter 1 from a woman named Chloe, Chloe's household, reports to him 
that there's disorder and there's dysfunction in the church at Corinth. And Paul writes the letter, 1 Corinthians, to the Corinthian church to help them get back focused on the right things. Because they were focused on things like in chapter 1, he says, hey, you guys are arguing over who's, who's the leader and who's the more spiritual person. And some say we follow Paul and we follow Cephas and we follow Apollos. And Paul's helping say, hey, you're focusing on the wrong things, guys. You're focusing on the wrong things. So he writes this and he's going to deal with several things to the, the book of 1 Corinthians to get them back aligned and focused on the right things. And so last week, Pastor Tato did a great job of starting the service out, the series out, really talking about the first three chapters of Corinthians. Now, I'm going to take it from here, and I'm going to take chapters 4, 5, and 6. Because in chapter 4, Paul's going to begin to get to the root of something that was causing the Corinthian church to be so off focus. And this is something for our lives, this is something as Christians, it's probably one of the most important things that we'll ever get our hands around and ever learn. And Paul's gonna deal with this. The Corinthian church did not have any idea of how to view and receive from godly leadership. Let's look at scripture. You'll see it on the screen coming up. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Paul says, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I, I do not even judge myself. So Paul starts here in 1 Corinthians 4 because what's happening is that Paul is coming in to bring adjustment and refocus to the Corinthian church, but they're dismissing him. They're dismissing him. You'll see later, and we'll look at this in a minute, at the very end of chapter 4, Paul says, hey, I've heard it said that Paul is not really going to come to us and Paul responds and says, do you want me to come with a rod or do you want me to come in gentleness? Because the Corinthians, because they had bought in to worldly philosophy and the number one worldly philosophy that the Corinthian church had bought into at the root of, of, of everything that they're dealing with here is, is this, this issue of pride. And Paul's going to talk in, in chapter 4 three or four times where he, he's pointing out to them the root cause is pride. 
And here's the thing that they bought into. The Corinthian church bought into this worldly philosophy that says, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I'm my own. Da, 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 da. Paul spends all of chapter 4 helping them understand that God himself is a God of authority. When he sent Jesus, the, the, the Jewish people failed to recognize Jesus as God's representative, and they kept pushing back on him. And if you read through the book of John, chapters 10, 11, 12, 13, you'll see they're kind of always pushing back on Jesus. Who gave you authority? Who gave you authority? Because we don't want to listen to you. We don't want to submit to you. We don't want to yield to you. Who gave you this authority? And Jesus would always point back to my father. You don't understand. How you respond to me in this moment, Jesus is saying, is how you're ultimately responding to the father. So the Corinthians were dealing with this. And what was happening is, is that all these other things that we're going to see in chapter 5 and chapter 6 come because they just can't understand and get a proper view of how they are to respond to authority. Now, let's talk about this for a second. Because we in America have the same philosophies in spades. The churches come or go. Hey, that's great. You want to make some suggestions for my life? Hey, wonderful. I don't have to listen to it. I don't have to do anything. Uh, I'll just go to the next church or uh, I don't have to do this or whatever. It's not getting a proper view of how God is wanting to work in your life. Paul was coming to actually bless them. He was actually coming to help correct them. I mean, my daughter Mia, who's here, she's a dance dancer at Point Park University. She's been dancing. We were watching uh, dance stuff yesterday, uh, videos when, when she was 12, 13, 14 years old. The instructors that she's had in her life, are when they point out something to her, it's to help her. It's not to embarrass her. And if you read chapter 4, you'll see Paul say, hey, I'm not writing this to shame you. I'm writing this to help you. I'm writing this to bless you. So look at what it goes on to say. So the Corinthians were dismissing Paul's voice and leadership. Look at what it says in verses 18 through 21. Some of you have become arrogant, as if it as if I were not coming to you. Essentially what they were saying, Paul was getting word that the Corinthian church was saying, Paul's afraid of us. Paul, Paul's going to avoid us because he doesn't want the awkwardness of conflict. He's not coming. He's not coming to deal with this mess. But I will come to you very soon. If the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 
what do you prefer, Corinthians? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Paul's wanting, listen, church in America, church here in Austin, church at Renovate, the number one thing that we have to get our hands around is ultimately, are our lives surrendered and submitted to Jesus? Because until that happens, there's going to be all kinds of conflict and disorder. So Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. He's responding to the, to the Corinthian church because they were saying things back to him. And this is Paul kind of repeating back to them. They say, I have the right to do anything, <laughs> you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. He's dealing with an issue in their heart where they said, listen, nobody's telling us what to do. We're not coming under authority. We're not coming. Un listen, there's no place that we can go in this world and not ultimately be under some kind of authority. And Paul, again, in chapter 4, he says, listen, the authority that I'm coming in is as a servant, he uses this word, which means one who comes up under and rows under. That's the word he used. He said, I'm not coming here to lord it over you. I'm coming as a servant. I'm coming. But nevertheless, what I'm saying has weight. And I'm speaking it as of somebody who has been commissioned by God. And how you relate to me, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, is ultimately how you're relating to God. Because God always works through people. A friend of mine said one time, people expect God to do for them what only people can do, which is namely walk with them, love them, discipled them, so, and they expect people to do for them what only God can do, which is to love them perfectly. So let's keep moving. So the Corinthians had adopted worldly concepts of how to live and do life. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 4, 6. Now, brothers and sisters... I have applied these things, this whole thing of servanthood and, and these things, to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. What he's talking about here is, is they were adopting worldly philosophies that weren't biblical. Hey, my view of what I think church should be, it's not the Bible, it's what I see on TikTok. My view of, of leadership and authority is not what the Bible says, it's what I see on Facebook. My view of sexuality is not what the Bible says, my view is what culture says. And Paul's coming right, 
right gives it, and he's telling them, listen, I want you to learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. He said, all this stuff is appealing to your pride and independence. So we see this truth in Jesus' interaction, again, all through the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, Jesus is encountering people. Again, the Pharisees, the religious people, were the ones who were pushing back most on his life and ministry. But then he comes upon this this non-Jewish person and watch what happens in this encounter. Matthew 8. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, My servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? First of all, he recognized and understood who Jesus was. Not everybody did. Lots of people walked right past Jesus. Jesus is, something's happening here. He's recognizing who Jesus is, and he's coming and he's saying, Jesus, I believe you have the ability to work in my situation. Come on, one of the biggest things we deal with is unbelief. Goes on. Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord... I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one, go and he goes, this one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. He understood authority. He just said, Jesus, look, I know. I know that you're a king. I know that you're, you're a person in authority. I know all you've got to do is say it. And it's going to happen. Because I'm a man who is under authority and also in authority. So guys, one of the bottom lines for all of our lives is continuing to stay submitted to the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Because many times the further we go and the more we walk with God, right, The more wiser we get, the older we get, the more experienced we get. We don't think that we need to stay in that place. Most of the time when we fail later in life in our walk or what, it's because we've we've taken on and said, hey, we have our own wisdom. I don't really need to press into God. I've seen this all before. I know this all. We see this truth 
when Jesus sent out the disciples to represent him. So Jesus is sending out the disciples, and he tells them, hey, listen, every place you go, right, if you find a home and you go into it and you say peace and they receive you, stay in that home. If not, go ahead and leave and shake the feet, the dust off your feet. What's he saying to the disciples? Hey, listen, as I'm sending you, as you're going, you're my representatives, And how people respond to you is how they're ultimately responding to me and how they're ultimately responding to God. So look at what he says. Matthew 10, he concludes all of chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 is he sent them out two by two. And then he's giving them all this instructions. And he gets to verse 40 and 41. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Guys, the Corinthian church, they weren't seeing Paul accurately. Jesus is saying here, like, hey, listen. When, when, when I'm sending you out, like you truly are, you're representing me. But people many times, even with Jesus' own family, say, hey, no, we know who you are. You're Joseph's son. We don't have to respond to you. You're just a basic carpenter. You're just this. You, you see that. Whoever welcomes a prophet in a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. So Paul is laying this foundation for all of our lives. I really believe that we cannot significantly advance in our walk with God until the lordship issue is settled. Surrender. Not fighting anymore. God, I'm yielded. I'm yielded. Because Paul's going to go on in chapter 5 and 6, and he's going to talk about areas that manifest when we're not yielded. He says this. So Paul then begins to address and correct other areas that are not in the right focus. And Paul deals... In chapter 6, right at the beginning, with sexual morality in the church in Corinth. So how do you deal with sin in the church? Graciously and delicately, but yet the Corinthians were having rampant sexual immorality in the church. Not only were they not confronting it, they were actually celebrating it and rejoicing in it. Look at what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 2. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. This is incest. This is what's happening in the church. And you are proud. Guys, that's the Bible. I didn't make that up. I didn't put that in there. I didn't add it for emphasis. They were proud. 
Should you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing? In other words, guys, like, first and foremost, your, your focus is on the wrong things, guys. And in this world that we live in today, you just study, like this week I read something from Harvard Business Review on the power of focus, and they said, executives and CEOs are struggling with focus more than at any time in history because the average American now spends about, what, eight to 10 hours a day on their devices. So here's all this stuff in the culture of immorality and all this, and, and Paul saying their focus had shifted to these things and they didn't have the right perspective. And then Paul deals with how we deal with interpersonal conflicts in the church. He says, starting in verse 1 of chapter 6, if any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? In the Corinthian culture, lawsuits were like Judge Judy. The word Paul actually uses in this passage of Scripture is the word theater. People, did, they, they, they love to see conflict and lawsuits and all this stuff. In the church in Corinth, they were broken. They were in conflict with one another. They were petty. They were bickering. There was division among them. There was immorality. This is, this is what Paul's writing into the context. He says, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? <laughs> Guys, when I was living in Indianapolis, and April knows this to be true, I was one of my best friends. He was going through a divorce. And he went to his wife. They were obviously going to get divorced. He went to his wife. He was a pretty wealthy individual. He said, hey, listen, why don't we just split things down the middle and you take that property and I'll take this property, the smaller one, you take the bigger one. Why don't we take the assets, 1.2 million, and we just split it down the middle. You take 600, I'll take 600. Let's just do this. The answer came back, no, I'm going to take you to court and I'm, guys, I'm going to make this super short and super sweet. I remember sitting with him in the coffee shop, and he said, we just got the final verdict back. It came back exactly as I had proposed a year and a half ago, except now she has a $485,000 legal bill. 
I'm not making this up. She had a $485,000 legal bill because every time she went in to talk or to unload or to get da-da-da-da-da, that clock was running at $300 an hour. And she got $600,000 and immediately had to pay a $485,000 and walked away with $115,000. This is kind of what Paul's saying. He's saying, guys, if we can't, if we, if there's nobody enough godly or competent enough in the church to, to deal with trivial matters, conflicts. Now, listen, I'm not saying there's not a time to ever use the courts. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it shouldn't be our first option as believers. So look at what he goes on to say. Do you not know, verse 3, that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes, disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. <laughs> okay, this is pretty strong. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers, in front of its theater. Paul saying, hey, listen. How we walk among one another, all through Scripture, it says to live humbly. Deferent. Willing to receive input into our lives. Come on. When we're in a place where we're submitted and yielded to God and we're saying, Jesus, first and foremost, I just want you to be honored. I mean, when I first moved here, April knows this to be true too. We lived right over by iFly in Rattown Creek. We rented a house. We had just retired from the NBA. We rented a house. We didn't know if we were going to stay in Austin for the long haul. I went into ministry to reach the UT campus. We were there. We took care of the place incredibly well. I mean, the, we planted the gardens and things and painted the fence and did all this stuff. And when we went to move out, the guy sent back and said, hey, I'm keeping the $1,600 security deposit because uh, there were some things wrong. Now, I'm a minister. I'm a pastor. I said, hey, what's wrong? And he said, well, you know, there was a chip in the counter or there was a chip in the cabinet. And we're like, that was there when we moved here. Like, we took really good care of this place. And he said... No, I know. I, I'm just wanting your money, so sue me. <laughs> sue me. And my first reaction was, heck yeah. <laughs> and then I started thinking about it. Okay, what's first and foremost? How I respond 
is this going to be honoring and glorifying to Jesus? Because my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price, and I ultimately need to be honoring God in this process. So I'm not going to cuss him out. I'm not going to threaten him, which I wanted to. You're only about 6'2", brother. <laughs> about 185. I'm 6'5", 230. You only... I know when you're coming in town next. I know you work at State Farm. <laughs> no. Yielded, submitted to Christ. And then ultimately, I just prayed and I said, God, he said, Dave, just allow yourself to be wronged. I'll make it up to you. Don't spend all this time and energy pursuing this thing that you're going to end up getting back, like, you know, $400 and taking pictures of your whole house and doing this whole thing and da 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 da, da and then you're going to have to pay a $2,000 legal fee. Just let it go. Trust me. Paul's dealing here with these three big issues. How do we view and respond to authority? How do we deal with sin in the church? And then how do we deal with conflicts in the church? Guys, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's a biblical way and then there's a worldly way. The worldly way is not just I'm offended, I'm going to take my ball and go home. That is not the kingdom of God. That's immaturity. No, you don't just do that. I've had conflict with people in the church. What do you do? You go and you say, hey, brother, I care about you. Hey, what do you have to, to say to me? Hey, man, I think you were off here. You missed it here. You're right. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Yes. Hey, man, I think you probably... Hey, we've had to deal. Are we yielded? Because there's been times where somebody has told me to do something that's been an authority over me that I did not feel was right or justified or all this, and I had to yield and submit. And say, God, I'm trusting you put this person. One of them was our pastor one time in Daryl Flowers. I thought I was 100% justified in what I did. He said, Dave, I believe you were wrong here. You need to go back and humble yourself. And God's wanting to work a greater discretion in you. And I said, Daryl, I didn't do anything wrong. Dave, I need you to just listen to what I'm saying. And I need you to just trust Everything in me. <laughs> no. Okay. I trust God that you're working in this situation. Paul's getting the Corinthian church back focused on this. Because if, if we do this right, if any person does this right, this all takes care of itself. 
That's what he's dealing with. Have the worship team come up. Stand to our feet. God, thank you. Thank you that you um, love us. You want the best for us. Thank you that even in this passage of Scripture, Paul says, hey, listen, you might have 10,000 guardians in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. I became your father through the gospel. I'm coming to you as somebody who wants the best for you. Lord, I just pray every person in here this morning, God, that, that if they have not yielded themselves, they've just been running their own life. They haven't yielded themselves truly to Jesus and surrendered. I pray that they would do that this morning. And God, help us do that. Help us stay focused on the right thing, which is our relationship with you and pleasing you and doing this right. And then help us walk in this world in such a way that, God, you're honored. Not as we live like the world does, not as we fight like the world does, not as we get offended like the world does. We, you've called us to something higher because of the example that Jesus left us, that he was willing to be humbled. He was willing to be taken advantage of. He was stayed submitted to the Father. Lord, you're giving us a higher, a higher way and a higher call. Help us at Renovate walk this out in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5:12 that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you're able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.